Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, a very special welcome. If this is your first time uh, or your second time, it means you must like us, and we will take that all day. So um, as Pastor Matt mentioned, uh, we are beginning a brand new series today um, on something that we have never spoken about. Um, we are about to celebrate our fourth year anniversary in a couple of weeks. Isn't God good? Something that we've never preached on uh, is something called uh, generosity, and it has to do with money. Today's topic is probably one of the hardest things to speak on. It's also probably one of the hardest sermons to listen to <laughs> because it deals with something that is so, so dear to us. And so um, when I was pastoring uh, our Every Nation Church in Guam, um, I would make it a point to speak on this uh, once a year. Um, if you were to uh, look at the New Testament and study the Bible, uh, you would see that um, Jesus talked a lot about money. Matter of fact, they say about one out of every four references he made had to deal with money. So if Jesus was your pastor, once a month he'd talk about money. Okay, so aren't you glad that, <laughs> that you got me for right now? Uh, but it's a brand new series where we're going to seek to understand with the help of the Holy Spirit, obviously, the biblical perspective on this tough topic to talk about. And the reason why it's hard to talk about generosity and, and giving is because money is something that is very, very uh, dear to us and it's very personal to us. It's a, it's a private matter. Um, you know, whenever somebody wants to ask the price of something or maybe the price of your house or your car, they say, oh, if you don't mind me asking, how much did you pay for that? And then some people will say, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather not say. Has anybody ever replied to you that way? They have, and, and I've experienced that. Um, but back to Jesus. Uh, in the Bible, there are, for example, 500 scripture references about faith, 500 scripture references about prayer, but over 2,000 scripture references about money. And so there's a reason why Jesus uses money as an example, and that's because nothing tells the condition of our heart more plainly and more honestly than our money. And so we're going to talk about this today. Um, now, I can already imagine what you're thinking. Man, Pastor Roland, why today? Man, I invited my friends today. <laughs> Man, I thought you were going to knock it out the park, and now they're going to think our church only wants money. <laughs> and they actually came. They showed up, and we're talking about money. Well, I want to take a fresh approach to this. I want to take a fresh approach to generosity. I'm going to be in a scripture that doesn't even reference money. And I want this to set the precedent for the rest of our series. Uh, we're going to go on probably throughout the month of October. I'll have a one-off message for our anniversary, obviously, uh, and maybe we'll push maybe into November, but there's a lot to talk about. So for a lot of us, um, we're already celebrating hearing the topic because some of you are so generous and, and you give as if it's air or water. And then for others, it's going to be very challenging because we just don't know what the Bible says about money. And we're going to hear and we're going to go, oh, I, I didn't know that. And so today, we're going to start off in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. It's kind of a long, kind of a long... Uh, our main text, so bear with me as I read it, but here's my prayer, here's my hope, is that as you hear the truth of God's word today, that it'll bring a brand new revelation, something that God will tell you directly, not that you heard it from up here, but that the Holy Spirit in you would bear witness, that you'd gain a new perspective on this subject that we call generosity, and you know generosity is not just about money. You know, this morning I was... Uh, in Smith's, 
um, buying something, and I know that we have a huddle at 9.50, and so I was trying to hurry up and, and get what I needed and, and run out. And so this elderly lady with, uh, with one of those uh, four-wheel walkers, she says, excuse me, sir, can you tell me where the trash bags are? And you can imagine I'm going, you know, and then she goes, I- I'm sorry to bother you. Do you work here? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, I'm sorry. I'm legally blind. And that's when I said, okay, that changes everything, doesn't it? And so I told her, you know, I, on, on the app, if you go to your Smith's app, no matter what Smith's you're in, the app detects where you're at, and you can punch in a, a search of a product. And it tells you which aisle. So I said, okay, ma'am, you want to, um, you're going to see this, the water display. You're going to go past there to aisle 15, and that's where the trash bags are. She said, oh, great, thank you. And she was going to walk around. She said, may I ask you one more question? I said, sure. She said, where are the doggy training pads? I said, well, here, let me help. And then I realized she wasn't going to get very far. And I had to tell myself, you know what? I have to make time for her. I knew I had things to do. I, I, you know, I had, and here I am thinking, man, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to have to text and let the guys know that I'm going to be late. I didn't have to do that, thank God. But I walked her around the store and I, Got her everything she needed. And I felt blessed after that. I'll just say that. It was, it, was, it was great. And so how many know that, especially when you're a pastor preaching a message such as this, and an opportunity like that comes along, how many know you take it? <laughs> and so I took it. And so I feel good because now I have at least an example. I was generous with my time. And so when we talk about generosity, it's not just finances. It could be an extra few minutes to hang back after church to get to know somebody. It could be, you know, making a little bit of extra time. I was talking about this with, with, uh, with one of our guys today, to, to make time for our life group. You know, or, you know, it could be, uh, it could be make something up. It, it fits. It does. The title of my message today is Crazy Generosity. Say Crazy Generosity. Not just generosity, crazy generosity. The idea is this. The craziness of the way generosity operates, especially the generosity of God. And if we can understand how crazy generous God has been to us, it would release a brand new wave of crazy generosity in us and and through us. So if you're already in Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11, if you don't have anything to read from, uh, just follow along with me. And uh, let me just set this, the context of this verse that we're going to read. This is the countdown to the greatest event in the history of the earth. It's beginning to go into action right now. We typically read something like this around Easter. It's the time before Jesus is going to, uh, going to give his life uh, on the cross. And so if you were to look in your Bible, the subtitle would be the triumphal entry. And so we're gonna, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. I'll say it again. Untie them and bring them to me. Untie them and bring them to me. Jesus told two disciples to go ahead of me into the town, and you're going to see two donkeys. You're going to see a big donkey, And you're going to see a small donkey. (laughs) I want you to untie them. Bring them to me. Now, here's the God of all creation. Uh, He's going to start this process of having to give his life. The triumphal entry. If I was God, I would have come in on something a little bit more extravagant. At least a giraffe. Or maybe a, maybe a lion, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I come riding in on the lion, you know, right? But he says, <laughs> the big donkey and the little donkey, untie them and bring them to me. Verse 3, if anyone says anything to you, 
you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So Jesus, for whatever reason, is going to ride on both of these donkeys. The big donkey and the little donkey. Children's books, we didn't know that there was two donkeys. How many honestly didn't know there was two donkeys? Probably because the children's books and the Easter plays that you see only show one donkey. And so we didn't know there was two. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Um, and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were declaring him as king. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city, say the whole city. When Jesus entered, and again, the whole city, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Bow your heads with me for a minute. Father, we just ask you, as we always do every week, when we come in and we study your word, that with the help of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you would help us to glean from your word just the, the, the eternal uh, nuggets of truth and just the, the gloriousness of your, of your word. Father, I pray that today of, of all times, we know that you do it every time, but today I ask you as we talk about just the subject of being generous, Father, that we would feel your heart, we would hear your heart, we would receive your heart. Oh God, help us to understand Help us to put this into action, I pray. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Here's the first thing that's crazy about this story. What's crazy about this story is that God actually asks us for something. God actually asks us for something. This is Jesus. He was God. The Bible says in Genesis that he spoke and the world, poof, appeared. And he brought life and he breathed life into the animals and into us. And so here's Jesus asking ordinary people for something. That's crazy. That God would ask you and I for something. As if he needed help. How many know Jesus doesn't need help? So we have to understand why, why all this. Because to me it seems like a waste of Jesus' time. Because <laughs> if he can say, you know, let there be light. And there's light. He could say, give me two donkeys. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, Jesus, what? what is this about? Why would you ask help from, from mere mortal men? You spoke the world into existence. I'm sure you can create donkeys. So why didn't Jesus say, you know, uh, I just want to save the world now. Boom. And, and it happened. It, it didn't. Think about it. God already owns everything. He owns everything. Everything is his, and so why does he need anything from us? You ever think about that? If he owns everything, he created everything, everything's in the palm of his hand, why, why would he need anything from us? Why would he ask anything from us? Does, is it, you know, uh, you know is, is the power bill in heaven a little bit high this month? You know, God, are you not going green? Do you not have solar, right? Why, why would God ask for our help for anything, especially in this area of giving and, and finances. And when it's time to give, even as I experienced this morning, 
why, when it's, when it's time to give, why is it hard sometimes to give? And so, man, you know what I'm just realizing now? Me and my wife agreed that we wouldn't go to lunch after church unless we use cash. And, and I just, I don't have any cash. I'm realizing that now. So, anyway, I guess I'm not having lunch. I'm a little hungry, and that's why. So, you know. A hundred bones, brother. Wow. Always Gary. Always Gary. Maybe I should forget money next week. Uh, any, any takers? All right. Confession time. This was a setup. This is my money. <laughs> Everyone was going, wow, Gary. Oh, my gosh. You're so generous. But think about this. He gave that $100 so easy. Why? It wasn't his. Think about this for a minute. It was easy for him to give because it wasn't his. If we can come to this revelation that what we have, according to what we're talking about, God owns everything. Even what you have is his. When we come to terms that this does not belong to me, it's a little bit easier to say here, right? Two disciples, back to the story. <laughs> Two disciples, and they didn't own the donkeys, did they? The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. He owns everything. They went to somebody who owned those donkeys, and they went and said, the Lord has need of them. Untied them, and the guy lets the donkeys go, right? So that's the psalmist. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Jesus could have said, hey, I created those anyway. <laughs> They're mine. But you notice he doesn't do that. Even with the things that we have, God doesn't go, you know, I gave that to you anyway. Why? Because, again, like we talked about earlier, there's nothing that reveals the condition of our heart more than money. And so rather than Jesus saying, it's mine anyway, give it, he wants to see what you're going to do because he trusts you with it. It's called stewardship. God gives us something, and then he says, let's see how you handle this. We know all the Bible scriptures, faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over much. You know, sow little, you know, um, reap little, sow a lot, reap a lot. Right? These are spiritual laws that we can't do anything about. Natural laws is gravity. If I were to step off this stage, I will demonstrate gravity. It, it's just the way it works. And there are some spiritual laws also in place that, that just work. And so you see, it's crazy that Jesus would ask us for something that he already owns. But he would ask us Anyway, and so here's the thing. It's not what you think. God doesn't ask us for something because he needs it. We figured that out, right? He doesn't ask because he needs it. He asks because he wants you to be a part of what he's doing. He doesn't want you to be left out, and that's crazy. We have this, this big mission that God has been on since the beginning of time, He's executing now, and now he's allowing us to be a part of this big picture that sometimes we realize and, and, and sometimes we don't. But God's not asking because he needs it. God's not asking because he wants to spoil your, your lifestyle. He's asking you because he's saying, would you please be a part of what I'm doing? We're, we're going to reach the world together. It's the greatest story ever written. How many know that's crazy? I got that Matt anointing last week. He was like, you know, every member is a? And he kept going. And I was like, man, that resonated. So how many know that's crazy? That's crazy. Okay, we'll get maybe, maybe to, at the end of the, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> but maybe God is telling you today 
your donkeys. I don't know what that means, but, you know, I don't know. But maybe God is saying, can you untie those? Can you bring those to me? I don't know what your donkeys look like, what they consist of. But when we talk about generosity, maybe God's going, yeah, hey, I need that. Can, can you untie those? What is God asking you to untie today? And I believe he's, he's whispering that to some of us. Untie it. Bring it to me. Whatever you might have accumulated. You know, I realize we're very blessed here in America. I have had the privilege of, you know, pastoring the church uh, on, on the other side of the world. It's right on the doorstep of Asia. And so I've been to a lot of Asian countries. You know what I noticed? Their homeless people are really thin. Our homeless people, sometimes they're healthier than a lot of us are. I'm just saying. And so maybe some of the things that we have, maybe some of the things that we've accumulated, maybe God's saying, hey, you haven't touched that in a year. I got stuff in storage I haven't seen in several years. Some of it's valuable. But you know, even as I'm putting the message together, and even as I'm praying and asking God to do this in me first, God's already identifying. He's saying, you don't need that. I want you to give that away. And I've been the recipient of some very generous things. I remember as a college student, someone gave me a car. Um, And then that car I had for like six months, and it broke. (laughs) And then me and Vim got married. We were just a young couple. Um, we had just had Zachary. He just, just given birth with Zachary, and then somebody else said, hey, God is telling us to give you this car. I was talking to somebody else this morning. We're talking about, you know, being in different situations like that, and I don't know why sometimes it's so hard to receive a blessing. And I can remember when they were saying, hey, you know, we, God told us we want to give you this car. We were like fighting them. No, 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 please don't give us your car. They're going, no. <laughs> Did you hear me? God told me. <laughs> so I don't care what you say. But it was hard for us to receive that pride. Even just lunch. If somebody wants to buy you lunch, what do we do? No, 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 it's okay. I got it, I got it. Are you too good for a blessing? Maybe, just maybe, God might want to be using somebody else to be a blessing. Maybe they got this revelation of being radically generous, and now they're trying to put that into action, and we're too good for it sometimes. And so anyway, I'm glad that they won, and we got the car. (laughs) And we needed it, and it was a blessing. Um, And then it came time where God challenged us to give that car away. And we're going, uh, wait, uh, but God, remember you gave that to us? Remember? That was real dramatic, God. You know, you wanted us to have that, right? And, and God moved us to give that very good vehicle. Kind of broke my heart, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, gosh. And it's funny because I don't know why the wives always hear God first. And so I can remember when I was struggling with it, and I'm like, oh, man. And Bill was like, What's wrong? I was like, oh, this sounds so crazy. <laughs> You're not even going to believe it. I feel like God wants us to give that car away. And she's like, I already know who. And I'm going. And so God had to do something in us first to be able to move in this area of generosity. And so what's crazy is that God would include us in what he's doing. You see, generosity is more than just about a gift. It's more than just about a moment. It's more than just about an amount. It's more than just about a thing. There's a bigger picture called God's kingdom. And God said, this is the way my kingdom operates. You know, something that I, um, I'm not going to talk about today, but the issue of tithe. You know, people say, you know, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. And it was t- tied to the Levitical priesthood. You know, and so the New Testament, it kind of disappears when you read the New Testament. The tithe, 10%, right? And it's, it's like, you know, man, do I give the tithe? Well, I'll say this. You are not tied to that 10%. The, in the New Testament, there's, 
It has nothing to do with us. We are not, you know, Levites. We are not, you know, a part of that, uh, uh, you know, uh, priestly order. Okay, it has nothing to do with us. But you know, as I read through the Bible, there's always something attached to that number, that 10%, and it's, it's a blessing. And so, personally speaking, this is not to try to um, influence you, but it's a guide that uh, me and my wife use, to, and we just, we just always have. And God has always, always, always taken care of us. Matter of fact, more than taking care of us. So do you have to tithe? No, you don't. You don't have to be blessed either. Just saying. And if you read the New Testament version of giving, it's actually, if I can say this, worse than the tithe. In the New Testament, people would sell their livelihood. They'd sell their, their belongings, their, the things that they lived on if somebody else was in need. So you want to be a New Testament giver? Any takers, right? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But we're not dealing with all that. We're not going to be legalistic about this. It's a heart issue. God just wants to see that he has your heart. Number two, it's crazy that Jesus rides in on the generosity of somebody ordinary. This wasn't a millionaire. This wasn't, um, you know, some successful businessman. Bill Gates wasn't around in the time of the Bible. You know, he's very philanthropic, right? But he wasn't here. It's not him. The generosity of ordinary people. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty ordinary in a lot of ways. And so we always pray that, oh, man, I pray that some of the raiders would get saved, right, because they're millionaires. Oh, and they'll fund the kingdom. How many of God's going to say, I can do this without them? Just saying, God, it'd still be nice, but, but he can do it without them. It might be easier with them, but uh, how many know what I'm talking about? The generosity of ordinary people. Verse 7 says this. Verse 7 says, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Jesus could have said, the next phase of my mission has begun. Angels, fly me in, right? But he didn't do that. God could have made a, <laughs> this is the C.S. Lewis side of me, some gigantic, majestic eagle <laughs> and came flying in. He could have came on a chariot of fire, you know? I mean, but no, he didn't. I don't understand why God chooses the lowly things of this world to prove something. And he's doing it again. Not some majestic angels that brought him in. They were donkeys. I don't know if you've ever been around a donkey. They're not magnificent. They smell pretty bad. And I always see people wrestling with them. Like they don't listen. They just, they do their own thing. So they gave and he rode into the city on a donkey, and he made an impact. Jesus made an impact. How many of you want Jesus to show up in Vegas? How many want Jesus to show up right here in your city? Right, how many want Jesus to impact our city? Well, if that's what we want, it's gonna take generosity from just just us ordinary people because that's what Jesus chose to ride in on the generosity of ordinary people like you and me. Anybody like cars? My dream car is a Bugatti. Hey, brother, we'll talk after. Maybe I can test drive it and act like I'm going to buy it. <laughs> My man. I got the hookup. I got, a guy, I got a buddy at Ford who lets me drive all the... <laughs> anyway. But Jesus could have came in on a Bugatti. But he didn't. Instead, he says, here's the plan. I'm about to do the greatest thing in human history. And I want you to be a part of it. 
I want you to be a part of it. Would you go and just untie that? I know you don't understand it, but I'm going to use it. Can you please ask him if I can use those donkeys? We want Jesus to show up. Here's my question to you. Can he use your donkey? Will you untie it? Will you bring it to him? Because that's how he's going to ride into Sin City. On the generosity of of us. Say me. And I believe we can change Sin City. We can change that name through our generosity. You don't have to be the richest person, like I said, but Lord, we don't mind if you send some here and we lead some to the Lord. But he uses ordinary people. He always has and he always will. Sometimes I think that's his preference, actually. So here's the other, the other thing. If you only have a donkey, ask for it. Just a tip. <laughs> Give it. And there, God has a way of telling you you know, like me struggling because I didn't want to give this nice car away. But I struggled for like, it had to be at least a week, maybe a week and a half. I knew it. I did everything to justify why it wasn't God. And I even hid it from my wife. And she just knew there's something. And I said, oh, it's, it's the car. And she was already there. She said, yeah, you're right. That's God. And we prayed about it, we found the person, and we blessed that person with a car. Now, let me tell you a story. The person we gave the car to was blessed, and we told them there's one minor issue on the car. The gasket, the valve cover gasket, very minor repair, is leaking a little bit. Just make sure to bring that in, have your cousin or your brother or somebody just take that off and put a new one on because it'll leak oil and, and you'll blow the engine. You'll run the engine dry. Guess what happened? She didn't get it repaired and ran the engine dry and blew the engine on this very nice car. How many know I was tempted to get angry? And I was like, I told them exactly what to do and they didn't do it, God. And I just wanted to, and you know, God challenged me. He said, who did you give that car to? Did you give it to me or did you give it to her? And just like a little kid, I said, you? He said, then the rest is none of your business. I hear people talk about all the time, well, I gave to this church, I gave to this ministry, I gave to this person, and something happened. The first step is who you gave it to. People get blessed. The church gets blessed. But God gets your heart because we're giving it to him. And so I had to wrestle with that. But God said, you know what? You let that go. You gave it to me. Your bank account in heaven is secure. Don't worry about that. God doesn't just show up in cities. He rides into cities on the generosity of his people. And I don't know about you. That's pretty crazy to me. Verse 10. And when he entered... And when he entered, this is on the back of our generosity, on the back of the generosity of the people here in this story, the whole city was stirred up. Ordinary people gave what they had in generosity. And it says when he entered the city, the whole city was stirred up. The whole city was stirred up. And they acknowledged him. Who is this? Oh, that's Jesus. Haven't you heard? Haven't you heard about this guy, Jesus? How many would love for here in this city for people to go, what is going on? Girl, it's Jesus. You know, Jesus just walked Jesus, right? Through the generosity of normal people. He chooses to ride in on our generosity. That's how Jesus enters. But you want to know what else? 
and this is really crazy to me, that the generosity, our generosity writes us into the story. We solidify our part of what God is doing. So the Bible talks about, we don't even know which two disciples it was. We don't even know about the man who owned the donkeys, who untied them and gave them, right? Anybody read about the guy who owned the donkeys? No, he was ordinary, nobody. But guess what? He made it into the story because of his generosity. You might remember when thousands of people were hungry and a little boy had a lunch pail and the disciples didn't even want to be there. They're going, Jesus, we're tired. You haven't slept. Can we just, can we just go? Jesus says no, because he had compassion. And then Jesus says, oh, they're, they're hungry. And the disciples identify that this crowd of people, thousands. It says 5,000 people besides women and children. That was just the men. I don't know if you have any men in your life, but they can eat. Men can eat, right? And then Jesus says, feed them. And they go, do you know how much it's going to take? It's going to take many days' wages to feed all these people. And he says, what do we have? Go look. What do you have? And it was a little boy with a lunch pail, a couple of loaves of bread, and a couple of fish. Jesus takes it. He blesses it. It multiplies. Everybody's fed. Everybody's satisfied to the point that they said it was, uh, there was leftovers. So we don't understand how that works. But when we give, even if it's a small amount, if we're obedient and we give that, God multiplies it. It blesses so many other people. And we're going to get to this later. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But the blessing comes back to you. We'll get to that when we close. But ordinary people. So this boy gave his lunch. Can you tell me anything else about the boy? Nothing. But he made it into the story. His generosity made it into the story. I feel bad for the boy. I feel like they just hijacked his lunch. He probably had nothing to... But the boy made it into the story. When we give to God, it solidifies our... We are written into the story of what God... Jesus chooses to invite us into the story by us being generous. So if it means being generous to make it, and how many know it's not about credit? We don't want to have to be known that, hey, that was me that that gave that. That's not what it's about because we want God to be glorified. It just means us being generous in our hearts towards God. We don't get written in well, let me say it this way. If we are generous, we're written in, but we are written out if we're not generous, if that makes sense. It's not about fame. It's not about credit. But we get written in when we respond to God with generosity. Now, um, this is something that is already kind of, in my opinion, beginning to take place in this church. Um, I know of a situation of somebody in this church, and this was uh, fairly recent, who um, had come up, you know, stumbled on unfortunate times at no fault of their own. Um, And I I thought it was crazy the way it all worked out. And then, you know, some people in the church heard about it. uh, And and, um, some key people in, in a particular family said, approached me and said, hey, we've, we heard something. Um, and God is speaking to us. We want to do something about it. And so the best way for this to happen is for us to give it to, to the church. And then the church kind of bless them. And we don't want anyone to know about this. We don't want them to know about it. And so because of the generosity of uh, some people. <laughs> I'm trying to stay very cryptic. Because of the generosity of, of people. Somebody else was blessed, and I speak to this person all the time, and they tell me what an incredible blessing it was and how timely, 
how timely it was. There's one time I was raising support. I was just a campus pastor. And you know, around Christmas time, all my supporters were buying Christmas presents. And so when I went to my mailbox to, to get the, the checks, there wasn't a lot there. <laughs> and this is how I made my living back then. I wasn't, I wasn't married yet, thank God. And I remember my, uh, my car insurance being due. And if I didn't pay it, they weren't going to, um, they were going to cancel my car insurance. And I remember there's one particular church that I visited in San Diego. It was the first black church I ever preached at. And I tell you what, the black church, they're so excited, you just start to preach like them. <laughs> and so I got up and I said, I was nervous. I felt a little bit kind of uncomfortable. And I was like, you know, I just want you all to know I love Jesus with all my heart. And they were like, amen, hallelujah. And I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, and let me tell you something else about Jesus. Jesus loves you too. And let me tell you that if you would give your life to him and the church went crazy. But at that particular time, I went to my mailbox. I couldn't go Christmas shopping. And I was like, God, just take care of my car insurance. And I pull out a check from that church for the exact amount that I needed. How many know God is never late? There might be a delay, but it's never late. And this person was telling me, man, you have no idea how timely that was. Thank God for speaking to those people. And thank God they responded with generosity so that someone else can be blessed. And I believe God is releasing something in this church. Let me close this up. <clears throat> Can one person make a difference? Absolutely. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Let me bring this into perspective for you as we, as we begin to close up here. That prophecy that took place, remember I said, Jesus asked for the donkeys, and I said, the Bible tells us the reason why is because he was fulfilling a prophecy that 500 years previous to this, the prophet said, he's going to come in riding on donkeys. Jesus knew this. I'm going to fulfill this prophecy. He asked for the donkeys, and because of the obedience of one man, that prophecy is fulfilled. From 500 years ago, and this one man says, yeah, take my donkeys. He had no idea he was being written into the story. He helped fulfill that prophecy. One person. The generosity of one person. God looked down on the, down the timeline from 500 BC and he says, this is what I'm going to do. Hundreds of years later, there's going to be a man with two smelly donkeys. And the plan is going to be fulfilled because of him. He had no idea. No idea. And I believe God has promises for you. And God has promises for me. And God has promises for Las Vegas. Or whatever city you might find yourself living in. But how does Jesus come in? Through our generosity. Finally. This is what I kind of alluded to earlier. It's crazy that Jesus multiplies your generosity and gives back to you what you gave that actually belonged to him anyway. You see how that works? Now, I get it. We're not supposed to say this. You know, give and, and it'll come back to you, right? Uh, you, you bless and God's gonna bless you back, right? We don't wanna focus on that. But let me just keep it real for a second. Somebody who was a missionary, somebody who saw lean times around Christmas, somebody who, I don't know about you, but I appreciate the blessing. And I appreciate that God's heart is to bless us. And so the dude who let Jesus use his donkeys, how many know he got the donkeys back? The, the Bible doesn't say the donkeys got crucified. It's only Jesus. He, they, he got the donkeys back. 
And I want you to know what you give. God will multiply, just like the lunch that fed 5,000 men and the women and children on top of that. And he'll use it beyond your wildest dreams. And you will get it back after it's multiplied. I can't explain that part to you because I'm not God. But I can show you example after example after example, not just in the Bible, but I dare you to walk around and talk to some people who know God and hear their stories of how God maybe put it on their heart to, to give, uh, whether to the church or maybe a particular person, or maybe you know, they didn't have money to give, but maybe they had something else and they gave and God used that in, in supernatural ways. I'm telling you, according to God's economy, there is no limit, no limit to what he can do. Now, I didn't say it. God's, God's word is the one that says it. Yesterday, we had our prayer meeting, uh, and we were at the Yee's residence. And so we were sitting at their, uh, their table in their kitchen or in their dining breakfast nook, whatever that area was. We were sitting there eating at the table, and I was sharing just a quick preview of my message. And then Dennis said this. He said, Piro, this is for your message tomorrow. I have a scripture. So I said, all right, hit me. It's like we were playing poker, hit me. He said, Proverbs 11.25. This is how simple it was. He looked at me, he said, Proverbs 11.25, and he read this. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. And one who waters himself will be refreshed. And I said, I'm going to use that in my message tomorrow the New Living Translation the same verse says this the generous will prosper those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed and then he gave me a definition he said the definition of generosity is this give more say more not just give we give things all the time generosity means giving just a little bit more. God gives back in this life, not just financially. I don't know if you realize this, but God has a cattle on a thousand hills. Okay, that's that, you know that means money. But God also has stacks of grace. God also has stacks of peace. God also has uh, stacks of confidence. Whatever you need, I promise you, God can give. And when God gives, God gives good. He doesn't hold back. And so this story that we're talking about is not really about the donkeys. It's not really about the people who were there. So as we're bringing this to a close. Just forget about the donkeys for a second. Forget about all the people that were there. It wasn't about the donkeys. It was about the one who was riding on the donkey. If there's anyone who was generous, it was him. Forget about our generosity for a second. Even as we're being challenged and we're feeling this, this urge to, to respond in some kind of way. But forget about that. Because our generosity falls terribly short compared to his. And what he did for us and what he gave for us far outweighs anything we could ever bring to him. I want to ask you a question. Are you prepared to be generous? Are you prepared to be, <laughs> I'm tempted to say something, but I don't know, I better not. Jenner, uh, never mind. But I'll say this, when it comes to giving, when it came time to give, God came prepared. He was prepared to give. So now my question to us today is are we prepared? to give 
So I know we didn't talk about anything specifically about money, but how many know this message goes a lot more, a lot further, a lot deeper than, than money or an amount? And I believe God is tugging on our hearts, so can we pray? Lord, thank you that, Lord, you are the most generous person. And that, Lord, when it came time, Lord, you did not hold back. Father, you gave, Lord, incredibly. Now, Father, help us to, to, to be motivated by what you did for us. It's not even about us anymore, but because of what you did. Lord, help us to respond in a way that we maybe never have before. And so, Lord, even as we move into the time of giving, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for our tithe and our offering today. And we, we, you know, I just felt led to, we normally give our tithe and offering at the beginning of the service, but I just felt led as we're on this series, you're gonna be hearing these messages and I believe God wants to move our hearts. But Lord, we ask you, Lord, to begin to just do that, move in our hearts. And Lord, even uh, begin to impress on us uh, certain things. So in the context of church, in the context of, of giving here, Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that you would even impress a certain amount. Uh, Lord, and we know that, Lord, you love a cheerful giver, so I pray it wouldn't be artificial. I pray this urge wouldn't be made up, not out of compulsion. Like, Lord, I pray that this message didn't have to twist anybody's arm to make them give. But Lord, I pray it's something that will come from their heart. Lord, those are the type of givers that you love. So Lord, we ask you to bless our tithe and bless our offering. Lord, and bless all that we are being generous with. In Jesus' name, amen.